Well, Merry Christmas to you uh, this morning. Merry Christmas. We turn to your neighbor and just say Merry Christmas. Yeah, that's, I love, I love that. So thankful that you're here this morning at Graceland. How many of you, I've, I've, we've had two other services and I've gotten a lot of good response. How many of you got all your Christmas shopping done? Look at, just raise your hand up. Yeah, look at that. Yes, look at, it's, it's a moment of victory for you. Yeah, now how many of you, there's been a few, I've been surprised. How many of you are saying, there's still time left? I got time left to spare. Yeah, there's a lot of you. You know what? God bless you as you go out into the craziness. If you can handle Walmart and Meyer on Christmas Eve, you can handle anything, right? <laughs> well, Merry Christmas to you. You know, we spend our Christmases so many different ways. We spend it shopping and and you know this Christmas I've heard that we've given more online uh, this year than ever before I have a friend that works at UPS he said that they've sorted more packages this year at UPS than ever before and and that's one way we've spent Christmas but that's not the only way we have spent our Christmases you know there's several different ways I wanted to go through with you real quickly uh, the first way we've spent many of our Christmases is wanting wanting we've we spent our Christmases wanting a certain gift or a special relationship or just the perfect holiday I, I I remember it like it was yesterday, just a few years ago. Uh, my wife and I were dreaming of just this perfect Christmas together. We go and we spend holiday with uh, another, uh, her, her, uh, her brother's family, and we all end up getting sick, and we all end up puking the entire Christmas time, and it was not what we wanted at all, and maybe you've had that, or maybe you're here this morning, and you're wanting just a perfect, special relationship, and maybe that relationship just isn't where you want it to be. Maybe you spent your Christmases, and maybe we've spent them before, wondering, wondering about this, wondering about that. There's this gray, there's this nebulous in your life, and you're wondering, how is that going to work out, and how is that going to play out in your life, and how in, in your journey? I, I will never forget, there was a specific Christmas that my Christmases began to be a lot more about wondering. My parents were uh, separated, and then they were divorced when I was in college, and I'll never forget that first Christmas when my parents were divorced, how I began to feel about it. And I remember going home for the first time when my parents lived in separate homes and I began to think, okay, how am I going to navigate these waters? How do I like make sure that my mom feels good and my dad feels good? How do I not? How do I give them equal time and all these things? And maybe you're just wondering about certain circumstances. Maybe this is your first Christmas in a divorce situation and you're just wondering what are the answers? Or, or maybe you've spent your Christmas or this Christmas in particular, you've not just been waiting or, or just wanting or wondering, you've been waiting. You've been waiting for something to happen. There's a Christmas carol uh, that maybe you've heard before. It's called Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. It's, it's by John or Charles Wesley. Charles Wesley wrote this song, and even though he's not Jewish, and even though he would live many, 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 many years after the first Christmas, it really does, I, I think, give a real good overview and temperature of what that first Christmas in the world was like 2,000 years ago. The 2,000 years ago, the world was waiting for something and something that they needed desperately. It was a dark, it was a cold, it was an oppressive place. And the people of God, Israel, if you know anything about Israel history, and if you, if you were to read their history books or even the Old Testament, which is a lot of the Jewish Bible, okay, you look back on it, they had waited and waited and waited and waited, and what they'd waited for was their Messiah, their King, to come to bring them to what they'd been promised for. And they'd waited, and they would have these glimmers of hope, and then, oh, 
dashed upon the rocks. First one was King David. Oh, here he is. He's the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting for. And no, that's not King David. It's not, he's not the one. And then Elijah, the great prophet of the Jewish people, he raises up and everyone's like, this is the one. This is the one we've been waiting on. And then their, their, their hopes are dashed once again. And, and not to put words in their mouth, but I can only imagine how much they had thought to themselves, you know what, you, you know what, our waiting has been in peril. I don't know about you, but I've been there myself so many days where my waiting, I just feel like, has just been in peril. And I just want to speak a word to you who are right there with me. I just want to speak a word to you. I want you to know this from the bottom of my heart, uh, that in your deepest waiting or wondering or even wanting, that God in your deepest valley, God's greatest gift and greatest power comes in those moments in the strength, strongest of ways. I just want to encourage you by that. And in Christ, see, he would come at Christmas and all those prophecies would be fulfilled. And as he would come on, the, on that Christmas 2,000 years ago, all the prophecies would be fulfilled and he would be Christ, the son of the living God. And they would celebrate, at least many of them would. But you see all that and you think all that and you go, okay, that's great for them. It's great if you're a Jewish person, but I'm not Jewish. I'm not from that age. It's 2,000 years later. It's 2017, Ray. What are we to do now? Because that's just, that was just for them. This is just a holiday, or maybe you just see this as a, a festival, or as Seinfeld said, festivus for the rest of us, right? But it's just something that just kind of goes and comes and goes. You give a lot, you eat a lot, you watch a lot, but there's nothing more to it at all. But I, I want you to lean in for a few moments with me. No matter where you are, maybe you come here this morning and it's been a long time since you've been to church or you're a faithful member here at Graceland, you're visiting this morning, or maybe you've never been in church in your entire life. If you come here this morning, I just want you to know that Christmas is the foundation of and would pave the way to the gospel. And Christmas has so much value and has so much implications for your life. And for the next few minutes, I just want to give you several and, and I want to springboard off of Luke chapter 2, verses 8. Dr. Luke would write this. He was a doctor 2,000 years ago, and he would gather all of this data, all of these real true life happenstances from all these different people. He'd compile all them. he put them together, which is now known as the Gospel of Luke. 500 witnesses or more, perhaps, saw the life of Christ the death of Christ, and even more importantly, the resurrection of Christ. And Luke, he capitulates all of this in his gospel. One of the most historical documents the world has at this point in time is the Bible. Did you know that? It's the most reliable, in many ways, historical document the world has ever seen. Many books that we say are very, very true and historical, and we base a lot of our history upon, don't even, they, they pale in comparison to the historical documents and reality. And, um, inerrancy of the scriptures. And so Luke writes in verse eight, has many implications for our life, says this, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, not like we saw earlier, okay, but appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, let's read this all out together, okay? Do not be afraid. You see, Christmas means this, that fear has a conqueror. The angel would, would say these words, do not be afraid. And the reason why is because unfortunately, to be human means to fear so many times. 
The, the shepherds, they encounter something they had never seen before. They encounter something they didn't know anything about. And whenever anybody, all of us encounter something, you know, we get older every year. We don't know what it's going to be like or when we're about to have kids or we're about to get married or we're about to enter college or whatever the case is. We don't know anything. And so what is the next possible thing a human being does? We fear. We, we, we get scared. We, we test the waters. You ever been there? The shepherds were. I have so many times. I'll never forget. It, it was like it was yesterday. I, I, I was eight years old. I, I was wearing red swim trunks, okay? That's how much I remember it. I was eight years old. This is many, many, this is almost, this is 20, uh, yeah, 20, no, 30 years ago for me, okay? 30 years ago, I'm wearing red tr- swim trunks, and my, my feet are right on the edge of the diving board of the high dive of our local swimming pool. And I am being asked by my swim instructor, I was a good swimmer at the time, to jump off the high dive. And all of the people that were in my class were waiting online, coming like, like, come on, let's go, jump off, let's go, let's get this over with. And I'm on there and I'm thinking, I just can't, I'm just thinking, okay, you got to do this, Ray. To save face, you got to jump in the water, all right? But this is church. And I got to be honest, right? You can't lie in church, right? And so you know what, honestly, what happened? I chickened out. I just walked back off of that diving board, and I passed all the other ones who'd get up and get on that board, and I went to the sideline, and I just hung my head in shame, and I couldn't believe I just couldn't man up and do it. And then this one girl who's three years younger than me, she climbs up the ladder like it's no thing, gets up on that thing, one, two, three, jumps off, perfect swan dive into the water. I'm thinking, well, good for her. And then I thought to myself, wait a minute, because that was my sister, all right? So I got... On that ladder, I walked out on the diving board and I showed her a little thing or two. And we still joke about it to this day about how she went off the diving board before her big brother I did. But my swim instructor, he wanted me to know there was nothing to be afraid of. And that's what God wants us to know that fear has a conqueror. And because fear is a conqueror, whatever you're afraid of this Christmas, you can. Find fear to be vanquished in your life. But it requires you giving control up of your life, giving control up of the things that you tightly hold on to and letting God take care of it. He wants to rid your life of this fear. Did you know that? He wants to because this is part of the value, the implications of the Savior of the world incarnating to this earth. And I just want to give you one encouraging and practical thing this morning. There's a prayer that I'd love for you to pray. Even as we enter into the new year, if this is you this this morning, would you say this prayer? God, I trust you. Help me to trust you more. Rid my life of fear. Would you begin to pray that prayer? And maybe you could just drop me a line sometime. Be like, Ray, this is how God is moving in my life. I believe wholeheartedly that God will move in your life if you will ask God to rid you of fear. And the angel would continue with in verse 10 and and he would continue to speak to the shepherds look at it with me he would say i bring you good news (laughs) we could all use some good news i bring you good news that will cause what those next words great joy for all people oh boy we need some good joy see christmas also means not that that fear has a conqueror but also the joy it has a supplier it has a supplier now whether you believe this news this morning or not it doesn't mean that it's not true it was joy has a supplier and it's for all people it's for young people it's for old people it's for middle-aged people it's for rich people it's for poor people it's for people on the other side of the globe and it's for people right here in southern indiana the joy has found a supplier in the christ 
at Christmas. This is good news, but, but, there's so much that makes me sad. There's so much that makes me angry. You know, this last year, I walk alongside families who've lost moms and dads, brothers or sisters, family members, loved ones, and, and their memories right now just they make you sad because some of you are walking through that right now. It makes me sad. It burdens my heart for you, for, for so many people. Also, you know, we think about where we are in our, in our culture today, the sex trafficking industry, you know, the, the horrific um, things happening to young girls and young boys all across the world. It's alive and well, and it makes me angry. It makes me frustrated, the fact that Christians are persecuted more today than ever before in our world's history. It makes me angry. But see, this joy that is supplied, it goes above that, friends, and here's why it goes above that. Because it is not as much an emotion as it is a reality. You see, this word joy, it means a calm delight. And the, the Christ at Christmas, it, he came and he gives confidence because we can know and have confidence that he is not without a plan. And so that when we sing these words, joy to the world, we're singing it because joy has found a supplier in the Christ at Christmas. And maybe that's your greatest need this season. Maybe you're in a season right now, you're in a situation right now in this very moment where you just need to find contentment in the plan that God has for you. You need to find that right now in your life, that there is a supplier of joy and it's the Christ. I want to introduce you to somebody and her name is Amy Carmichael. Amy Carmichael, there's a picture on the screen, and she, she was born in the late 1800s. She was actually born into Northern Ireland, and she felt the call to go to India as a missionary. She would go, and she would live there until her dying days. Amy is a very famous missionary, and she would go, and she'd become like the pseudo-mom for many boys and girls and, and people alike and ministering to the people that no one else wanted to love and no one else wanted to minister to, and she developed quite an incredible reputation along the way. But something would happen to Amy. In 1931, she'd be involved in this horrible accident where she was basically bedridden and stricken to a bed. She would never walk again. So would she hang her head? Would she just kind of spend the rest of her days in sorrow and misery and woe is me and she would just spend her life in sadness? No, everyone would come to her bedside and she would be the one who was encouraging. She would be the one that would dispense joy because of the supplier of her joy had brought her to overflowing measures. And she would often say these words to encourage, and we'll put it on the screen for you. She would say these words often. She would say, joys are always on their way to us. They are always traveling to us through the darkness of the night. There is never a night when they are not coming. She would paraphrase Psalm 35. And even though for 20 years she would lay bed stricken, she would never, ever go away from having joy as her supplier. It's amazing. It's amazing. And then we continue to look at what the, the, shepherd, the shepherds would hear from the angels in verse 11. They would give directions to the shepherds. They'd say, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And there will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God. And let's just say this phrase all out together. Ready? Glory to God in the highest heaven. You see, this is what Christmas implicates for you and I that glory has received its full dignity. Now, what does that mean? Glory has received its full 
and outright dignity. See, glory, the word, it has to do with someone displaying their full characteristic, displaying fully who they are, being completely shown the characteristics of and through and how their their life and, and what they're made up of. And Christmas would incarnate Christ and in God's full glory, his full dignity would be come into full play. And what that means is, is that we would understand who God was. We'd understand what, what he was like. And one of the major attributes of God is love. That, 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 that the, the New Testament writes about this unbelievable love that is literally transforming our lives. He, have you ever heard these words? For God so what? Loved the world that he what that he gave it's why we give it Christmas there was this man named Saul and he was a, a horrible murdering man we would have locked him up he would have gotten an electric chair in our culture today and in his culture 2,000 years ago the love of Christ would change and his name would become Paul and he would later share about this love of Christ to in his epistle to the Romans he would write these words in chapter 5 verse 8 but God proves his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The full dignity and the glory of God shone that first Christmas. The Christ at Christmas brought those things. And we are, as we sing and we celebrate Christmas and tomorrow morning, and, and as we come back tonight and we have this beautiful candlelight service and we celebrate all that he has done in our lives, may we glorify him and may we be a full testimony and bring him glory. And the angel finished their message to the shepherds. Look at it with me, these last few words. Let's read this all out together. And on earth, peace to those on whom, what? His favor rests. You see, Christmas means this also, that peace has a provider. Everybody take a deep breath with me. All right, exhale. Yeah, peace has a provider. Lots happened in 2017, hasn't it? There are many, many different things. Some have been good, some have been bad. You know, we witnessed as a nation the sun hide behind the moon. How many of you stopped what you were doing and, and watched the great eclipse happen? Okay, how many of you were disappointed in that event? And you're like, is that all, really? Like, I thought, wow, okay, all that hoopla, okay. Um, and then the horrific events of the Las Vegas Strip happened, and we still pray for the families and the victims that that, that took place with. And, and when we think about Hurricane Harvey and how, you know, all of the homes that were wrecked and that horrific flood, terrible. And then the worst tragedy of them all, Taylor Swift had a ticket scandal. No, no, that wasn't, that wasn't. But, you know, I thought I'd line it up a little bit, right? There's been a lot that's happened in 2017, but not a lot of peace. But the peace that can come at Christmas can only come when we, people, find peace with the Prince of Peace. And the Prince of Peace, he doesn't bring peace because there's, a, there's an end to the conflict in our life and circumstances. No, 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 that's just a part of this broken world. But there can be real peace given by God as a commodity is given to another person because God owns peace. There's a family in our church that I ran into recently, just randomly, and we just stopped and I began to talk to her and ask, how are you doing? How's your Christmas been going? And she just shared with me all the different trials and things that they've been going through personally. And let me just tell you, folks, if you're going through something, you're not alone, okay? A lot of people are going through a lot of things and the volume's been turned up on a lot of our emotions in our world today. And she's telling me about this thing that happened and she shared with me and I said, well, that's incredible. Would you mind if I shared that with our church? And she said, no, not at all. 
And so she wrote this, and I wanted to share it with you. She wrote these words, and I'm just going to read it to you. One morning recently, in the middle of a major health crisis, I opened my mail to receive, listen, a medical bill to a hospital for $25,000. Good morning, not what I have chosen to go with my coffee, she said. The words of Woody from Pixar's Toy Story quickly came to mind. This is the perfect time to panic. But just as quickly as she got those words, her father, God, whispered to her heart, don't worry, from Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything and said, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you'll experience God's what? Peace. His peace. Maybe you're in this season right now and you're, and you're searching and you need this peace. And he can come and he can bring peace even with your past. He can bring peace with those around you. He can bring peace in relationships. Why? Because his peace, it passes all of our understanding. And that his peace can be given to you today because the Christ at Christmas is the provider. You know, and as we look at all those things and we look at the implications of our Christmas, We can know this. Finally, the underlying theme of all of the narrative of the Christmas story that a broken world has found its Messiah. That a broken world that has found its Messiah, that Christ would come, he would fulfill prophecy, he'd be Christ the Lord, and the world would would proclaim, hallelujah, what a savior. And we celebrate this, that that he would come to this earth and he'd, he'd become as the incarnated God of the universe. And as he would come, he would be the light in a dark world and he would vanquish our condemnation and the sin that we face and we'd be set free because of it. Grayson, he came to you. He came to me. He came to dwell with you and to walk beside you in a relationship. The divine coming to the, to the creation, wanting a relationship with you because of his love, because of the way God is. Isn't that amazing? And because of it, there's a story that I'll never forget. Billy Graham, he's going to turn 100 coming up. Billy Graham, one of the most respected pastors in America today. Billy Graham would be at the White House. He's, he's prayed for many pastors and he's been counseled to many pastor, or, uh, presidents over the year. And he's at the White House and he's preaching. And it wasn't too long after World War II it happened. And so he tells the story with that on the hearts and minds of many people. He tells his story. And the story is, is that there was many moms and their children who would look at the, look at the picture of their dad, their husband, and they would, they would just talk about the bravery of their dad to their kids so that, that they would always remember their dad and the sacrifice their dad had given. And so this particular mom takes the boy over into the bedroom and says, hey, look at your dad's picture. And, 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 the, and the boy is looking at the dad's picture and he's, he's walled up with pride. And he says, man, mom, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great, mom, if dad would just jump out of the frame? And that's exactly what Christ did for us. He jumped out of the frame. He came to be our reference of God. Isn't that amazing? And then he would do exactly what the Gospel of John chapter 1 verse 14 would say, that the word would become, uh, would come and, and indwell and would come to dwell among us. And, and, and my heart's desire is that you would make the time and the space that God deserves in your life that you would be able to dwell and walk with him as he came to do the same with you. And this is my prayer today, and this is my prayer for 2018. In fact, we are so excited about what we have in store for us in 2018 as we want to 
give you the time and give you the space and walk alongside of you to do just that. You know, uh, John mentioned it earlier, but we want to give every family a copy of this book. We want every single family. So if you're single here this morning, hey, you're your own family, okay? So we want you to have this. If you have a family, we'd love for you to, if you have a family of 20, okay, maybe you can take a couple, all right, because you need it, all right? But we want every person to walk away with this book. Here's why we say that. Because we want you starting to start with us in January. Starting January 7th, we're gonna go through um, a a, a journey together called Your Next 30 Days, and we want you to dwell with Christ. We'd love for you to be a part of that. We don't want you to miss that. We'd love for you to come back and walk alongside. Even if you're new, we'd love for you to be a part of this new journey with us in 2018. But if we're going to dwell with God, if we're going to walk with him just like he came to do with us, then we have a decision to make. And here's the decision. We have to respond. Mary would respond. If we think back in verse 38 of Luke chapter one, the, 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 the angel would say, hey, this is gonna happen. You're gonna become pregnant. These, all these things are gonna take place. Supernatural stuff's gonna happen. And she said, I am the Lord's servant. She responded. And the shepherds, we're gonna read about how they respond. Look at it with me in verse 15. The shepherds respond, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. See, they heard about the Messiah. They heard about the Christ. But had they not responded, they would have missed out on the greatest gift of Christmas. They would have missed out. And what was mission critical for their life was their response. And what's mission critical for your life is your response. It's your response. You know, I I heard the saddest thing the other day. (laughs) I really did. I heard one of our own staff at Graceland, one of our own staff, she she shared with me. I, I even felt ashamed even sharing this that she has never watched the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. I mean, what is the world coming to? What are we gonna do with this elf generation, right? Like, man, it's one of my favorite movies. But then I got to thinking even more. What if you go through this Christmas and you give the gifts and, and you eat good food and, and, you, and you spend time with family and you, and you do all these things and you're in the hustle and the bustle and this and that, but you missed, you missed the entire reason for the season. It's mission critical of your response. And the Christ at Christmas is what begs us to respond. And the, and the response that God wants from us is very simple. It's very, let me just boil it all down to you with one word. I shared these words with you earlier and it comes to like a point in, in, in the verse here. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, what's the next word? Believe. That's the word. That's the response word. And that's your mission. Would you believe that fear has a conqueror? Would you believe that joy has a supplier? Would you believe that a broken world has found its Messiah, would you believe? 